Let's turn to the book of Revelation uh, this morning, Revelation chapter number 22, uh, Revelation chapter number 22, and uh, we're going to read the entire chapter this morning uh, for our text, and then there'll be a few things that I'll uh, highlight this morning as we look at Revelation chapter number 22, as I alluded to earlier in the service, of course, there is much going on in our world, there's much going on in our nation, and I don't think I have to remind you of uh, the serious things that are going on uh, in our nation that I believe will greatly affect uh, the future of our nation. And uh, there's, there's a lot, if we allow ourselves, there's a lot we could say, well, I'm worried about this, or look at all the worst case scenarios, and certainly uh, those uh, can unfold right in front of us, but uh, I want to be reminded, I want us to all be reminded uh, that God is in complete control, and I want to look at what God has to say, and there's some things that I just, I'm just, there's a lack of awareness in our nation today of many things that I think have contributed to where we are. There's a lack of an awareness that there is an almighty, omniscient, all-powerful, omnipresent God who sits on his throne. Uh, I did not evolve, as I had to announce in recent services. I was created by God. Uh, God is in complete control. Likewise, there's a lack of an awareness that there is, we have an adversary, Satan himself. I said in Sunday school this morning that uh, our nation is under attack not by a political party. Um, I actually mentioned the party this, this morning because it's church. Uh, I won't mention the name of the political party. It's just not the Republicans, but um, it's, it's Satan himself. Uh, Satan is for the murder of unborn children. Satan is for the destruction of the home. Satan is for the destruction of any kind of authority and rule and government. Uh, but there's a lack of awareness of that. Uh, it's bigger than Republican and Democrat. Uh, there's, a, there's a spiritual battle, and it is all over what I think there's a lack of awareness amongst, amongst people in general is the fact that every human being has an eternal soul that's going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. And uh, that is what it is all about. And I want us to be reminded, Pastor, I've been asked, and I have opinions on how I think it's going to end up. Uh, and uh, if you want to ask me about it, I don't mind sharing you my opinions about what I think is going to take place for the election. I don't, I don't have any inside knowledge. I've, I've called the president a few times. He hasn't taken my calls yet, but um, I don't, I, you know, but I have, I just, observing, I do have that, but I've been asking, well, what do you think, how is it going to end up? Well, this morning, I'm going to preach on how it's all going to end, how it's all going to end up. And early this morning, uh, I read through, my message, of course, is from chapter 22, I read from chapter number one of the book of Revelation all the way through our text this morning, and I were reminded how uh, God has everything under control, and uh, our responsibilities do not change, uh, our focus should not change, and I want to give us some encouragement this morning from the Word of God. Revelation 22, we'll begin reading in verse number one, and we'll read all the way down through the last chapter, of uh, last verse of not just this chapter and not just the book of Revelation, but of the Bible this morning. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. <coughs> and I, John saw these things and heard them, when I had heard and seen and fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of the book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, 
and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. How is it all going to end? Well, chapter number 22 gives us a picture of when it is all said and done, how it's going to end. Obviously, there's a lot that takes place from Revelation chapter number 1 to Revelation chapter number 21 and into 22. But this morning for our message, I want to highlight a few things from chapter number 22 that we are reminded of that will take place, and when it is all said and done, how it's going to end. I think this is important for you and I to be reminded of because I do believe, uh, as has been true in every generation, but I do believe we are seeing some things unfold that are getting us obviously closer to Christ's return. And they are moving very, very quickly. And can I just say this before I pray this morning? I don't know why Christians are scared of that. Why are we afraid of Christ's return getting closer? Why are we living in fear when the Bible tells us that certain things must take place for the trumpet to sound? We should not be approaching the events that are taking place today with fear, but with an excitement of the fact that before the day ends, it may not matter who is the President of the United States because the King of Kings calls us home. We don't need to approach the day we live in with fear. Because the Word of God tells us how it's all going to end. The Word of God tells us what's going to take place. And I want to use chapter number 22 to remind us of how it's all going to end this morning. Father, I pray that you would use your Word uh, this morning to speak to hearts. And Father, as much that I know I have a desire to accomplish this morning, and I believe that it would align with your desires this morning, First, I pray that your word would be used if there's one unsaved. May the Spirit of God work in their hearts. May they be aware this morning that they have an eternal soul that's going to spend an eternity of one or two places, heaven or hell. And we have no hope of heaven without the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of our sin, we will be cast into hell unless we put our faith and trust in Christ's finished work on Calvary. And Father, I pray that your people will be encouraged this morning. Encouraged because the Word of God is certain even when we live in uncertain times. And may today we leave with a, 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 a reinvigorated desire to watch for your return. May we have a desire to be faithful for you, your return and may we look for your appearing. And Father, I pray that if there's an area of conviction this morning that we need to be aware of, may the Spirit of God do that work. And Father, may your church be strengthened today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we get to chapter number 22, the great judgment has taken place. God has poured His wrath out after the rapture of His church. Then all the dead are called before that great white throne. And those that whose name were not found in the Lamb's book of life, those who have never trusted Christ as their Savior, they achieved that salvation through Christ, were cast into that eternal place of suffering. 
that place of hell. Friend, let me remind you this morning that hell is a real place. Those who die without Christ will spend an eternity there. What a horrible, horrible scene that is going to be that is played out in chapter number 20. What a horrible thing that is going to be for all men who have ever lived who died without Christ are going to face their eternal judgment. But then we get to chapter number 21 and we are told of a new heaven and a new earth. That place that God has prepared for all those who have trusted Christ. All those who have believed Him. That eternity that awaits you and I, that eternal place that we know that awaits those who have put their faith in the child of God. And because of time, I'll not revisit anything that chapter number 21 tells us other than the fact that we get to chapter number 22, uh, our eternity is upon us. We are beginning, I can't even say the rest of our lives, because we are entering eternity for all of eternity, the praise that is going to be offered to our God. For all of eternity, we have our glorified bodies. We'll know no pain, we'll know no heartache, we'll know no sorrow, we'll know any of that. We will be joint heirs with Christ. All that God has will be ours to enjoy. And chapter number 22 is a continuation of that chapter number 21. And it reminds us in this final chapter of the book of Revelation, the final chapter of the Word of God, how it's going to all end. And I want to touch on that this morning, and I hope this morning that if you, after what I, I say this morning and through the Word of God, if you are not prepared to die, you're going to have an opportunity to deal with your eternal soul. I can't do it for you. The person sitting next to you can't do it for you. Every man must give an account of their own sin and the fact that if they die, they die without Christ, there's eternal judgment for their sin. But every man has the opportunity because God sent His Son to die for every man. So that all might be saved, you can get saved today. And then perhaps you will have as many fears about the future as you have today. And oh church, I hope we leave today knowing we're on the winning side. Oh, there's some things that I hope that don't take place and... There's some things that I hope that, don't, that we don't have to endure, but let me tell you something. I'm not discouraged this morning. I'm not defeated this morning because I have the Word of God that tells me how it's all going to end. And spoiler alert, we win. We are on the winning side. And, and I don't understand, I've already alluded to it, why so many Christians are so discouraged about winning. We're so, we're, we're so defeated and and we're so captivated with fear when God tells us we have nothing to fear. Oh, Pastor, what happens if they implement this? Well, if all that's going to take place, the Bible says it's going to take place, can I tell you something? I'm not going to be here. I don't have to decide. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But I want us to see how it's all going to end. I want us to be encouraged this morning. There's much uncertainty in, in our world. And something you and I must do as a Christian, we must always be in the habit of always going to the Word of God to understand how we're supposed to respond to what takes place in our life, in our world. There's answers in the Word of God. How's it all going to end? Well, if we look in our passage of Scripture this morning, we understand that in chapter number 22, John is coming to the conclusion of his heavenly vision. John has been given a picture. He's been giving this vision of how it's all going to unfold. What a powerful book of the Bible to read from beginning to end. But I just want to bring out a few truths this morning and a few things to remind us about. As we ask this question, how's it all going to end? How's it all going to work out? Let me first say, number one, Jesus is coming back. Verse number 7, Behold, I come quickly. Jesus has declared, Behold, I come quickly. Much has been revealed 
to the Apostle John, which God has preserved for you and I. We get to chapter number 22 in verse number 7. We have seen all of these things that God has revealed to us. And then Jesus reminds the Apostle and us today, with all of this in mind, behold, I come quickly. In the context of that word quickly, in the verse of Scripture, it just simply means it's imminent. I'm going to come at any time. Get ready. I'm going to be there. And so we're reminded that Jesus is coming back. Friend, the church is going to be raptured out. The trumpet is going to sound. I mean, you look at the chaos that's in our world right now. Imagine when the, that trumpet sounds and every child of God is called out and raptured in to meet their Lord. Imagine the chaos that will take place in our world. This is nothing compared to what will take place when the church is raptured out. But can I remind you that we are going to be raptured out? There is going to be a judgment on this earth. And I was reminded as I read through the book of Revelation this morning, the wrath that is going to be poured out on this earth. How God is going to judge this world. Then, after those great judgments, there's heaven for an eternity for you and I as a child of God. You read about the judgment of God, it's a frightening thing. You read about the eternal judgment. Those are passages that I don't like to dwell on. Because the judgment of an eternal soul for all of eternity, to think that someone who might reject Christ or those that reject Christ will suffer for all of eternity. That's why as a child of God, you and I, we should not be discouraged about being saved. We should be grateful for our salvation. We should be excited about our, our salvation. And when we get to chapter number 22, there is a land that our minds cannot even comprehend that you and I are going to enjoy. Think about it this morning. Um, we'll have glorified bodies. Uh, anything hurt when you got out of bed today? No, oh, Pastor, everything hurt when I got out of bed today. I've been reminded, even this morning, of so many people whose bodies, their bodies are keeping them from being where they'd like to be. The struggle that this old body causes. The day's coming. How's it going to end? Glorified bodies. No pain, no suffering, no broken hearts, an eternity of perfection with our Lord. Our residence is going to be those heavenly mansions that Jesus himself constructed for each and every one of his children. Oh, what a place that's going to be. Pastor, how's it going to end? We live in a world of chaos, and we do. But let me tell you, how is it going to end? Jesus is coming back. And everything that takes place in our world is just getting us ready for His return. I mean, you have read the book enough to know that there is going to be a one-world government. There is going to be a one-world system. Because there's going to be a, 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 a man that rises up and rules the world until the day Jesus comes back on that white horse. Those things will take place. But friend, we win. It's all going to work out okay because Jesus is coming back. I say number two, I want to remind us that the curse will end. Look at verse number three with me again. And before I read the first part of verse number 3, there are so many wonderful things about heaven to look forward to. When I was a child and I was learning about heaven, man, those streets of gold is what always got my attention. I always picture, you know, you have the mind of a child, and, and I was saved very young, and even in my, even, even as, a, as a young child, and, and, and even after I was saved as a child, when I mean, you think about, man, I, if the streets are gold... I mean, I wonder if you can go out there and, like, jackhammer some of that up. And 
get that construction crew to come in the next morning and say, why is there always a big pothole right in front of this house? You know, the mind of, you know, the gold. And I remember sitting in those Sunday school classes and the description and, oh, the, the gates of pearl. And the walls are going to have all these precious jewels. All of that is true. That's a wonderful thing about heaven. I've already mentioned no more broken down bodies. Uh, None of that. That's a wonderful thing about heaven. But oh, look at verse number three. And there shall be no more curse. In Genesis chapter number three, the curse of sin is introduced into this world. And man has been under that curse ever since. The curse of sin. We're reminded in the book of Romans how Adam, that first man, in that sin, that sin nature is passed down to every man, to every generation. And friend, the things that take place in this world, and we always try and find an explanation of why is this happening and why is that happening, but, but a lot of it can just come back to that man is under a curse. It's the curse of sin. And quite frankly, we don't look at it as a curse like we ought to look at it. We don't consider sin like we ought to consider sin. And that's why, as a quick reminder this morning, we shouldn't play with that which we've been cursed with. The curse of sin. And I don't know about you, but I'll testify for myself this morning. I, I get greatly frustrated in my own life because of my own flesh and because of my own weakness and because of my own sin nature. And I get frustrated. And, and as Paul writes, the things that I, that, I, that I desire to do, I don't do. And the things that I, that I don't want to do, I do. It's the old sin nature of flesh. And oh, the shame that we bring on ourselves with sin. And it may not the shame that somebody else puts on us, but it ought to bring shame to us to know that we have sinned and sinned against our God. And oh, it's an unpleasant thing when the Spirit of God visits us and puts us under conviction, not for our neighbor's sin, but for our sin. And reminds us of our failures. Being under conviction of the Holy Spirit is one of the greatest things that can take place in our life, but it's probably the most unpleasant thing that takes place in our life. The humbling that has to take place when the Spirit of God puts us under conviction. All of us could give testimony to God's grace this morning, but all of us could give testimony to the fact that this old curse that we're under has robbed us of joy. It's robbed us of success. It's robbed us of giving honor to God like we truly want to give honor to God. You look at our world we live in and the world's not getting better, it's getting worse. I mean, if evolution was fact, the world should be getting better. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. Because it is under the curse of sin. We're reminded in Scripture that we ought to end our day with an acknowledgement, of course, to the grace of God, the blessings of God, but we ought to end our day acknowledging our failures when it comes to our living according to how God would have us to live. The surest way to not get backslidden or get away from God, get out of the things of God, is to keep a very short list when it comes to our sins and our failures. But can we all just be a little honest this morning and all transparent, if if I can just be blunt this morning? None of us like dealing with our own sin because it is an acknowledging of our failure, of our wrongdoing. Can I just say this, this morning, I thank God for an old-fashioned altar like we have at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Where His children can get things right with God, can 
do business with God. I thank God for the altar that we make in our own home, in our own prayer closet. And God, I know I've failed you. And God, I know I've wronged you. And oh, those are sacred places when a child of God who's been away from him, the, the place, and some of you could give testimony this morning. I remember where I was when I was under the conviction of God. And I had been out in, in, in the world. And I, my heart was cold. And I got right with God. That is a sacred place as it should be because we're under this curse of sin. But friend, can I tell you, not only will there not be broken down bodies when we get to chapter number 22 in that eternal place of heaven, there'll be no old-fashioned altar like the place where you got right with God and I got right with God because we'll not be under that curse anymore. We'll not see the effects of sin anymore. And that's why there'll be no disease in heaven. It's not fair. That, that, that people get disease that breaks away their body and eventually takes their life. Why do we have that disease? It's because of the curse of sin. But the day is coming, there'll be no more curse. There'll be no more effects of sin. There'll not be a sin problem anymore. How's it all going to end? Let me make statement number three. That our future is fixed. This is a powerful verse in verse number 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Uh, don't make the mistake of thinking that those that are unjust and filthy are going to be in heaven because we're already told that there'll be no sin there. But we're talking of an eternity that is set. And those that are cast in hell will be in hell forever. There'll be no relief. And those that find themselves through the grace of God and through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in this wonderful place called heaven, our sin is not going to hold us back because it's under the blood of Christ. And in eternity, like it is today, when God sees you and I, if you're saved, He sees you through the blood of His own Son. And when He looks at your record, He sees holiness. When he looks at your record, he sees perfection. Hey, it's not God bringing up your past sins. It's the devil bringing up your past sins. Because as far as God's concerned, he sees the record of his son. When he looks at my account and he looks at your account. And by the way, can I just slip this in here very quickly? If God isn't looking at the sins of a saved individual, it's time you quit trying to find them. They're under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our future is fixed. I don't know the condition of everyone's soul in here, and this is the point I want to make with this point. If you're lost today, you're unholy, you're unjust, you're wicked. Say, Pastor, I'm not that bad. According to this book, every one of us, before our salvation, the things that the Bible says about us, we, we, are, we are liars, we are thieves, we are murderers. It's not just what you see out there as the worst of society. We're all that. But if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, and you die in your sins, you die without ever dealing with your eternal soul, you will be unholy forever. You will be unjust forever. In verse number 11, And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. Once God... Cast that judgment, you'll be filthy for the rest of your life. 
And friend, can I tell you, there's no feeling like the burden of sin falling off of you in salvation and God saying, let me wash you white as snow. Let me make you clean. Let me make you pure. And you can leave that behind you and say, I don't have to answer for that anymore because it is under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But can you imagine for all of eternity, not just enduring the suffering of that eternal flame, but being that murderer forever, being that that unholy one forever, being filthy in your sin forever? Because that is how it's all going to end. But likewise, if you're saved this morning, let me give you some encouragement. He that is righteous, can I remind you that nobody will be here who's not righteous? Well, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Oh, that's very true, but we're not there on our righteousness. We're there on Christ's righteousness. And I am righteous because of Him. I am righteous because of my belief in Him. And He that is righteous, let Him be righteous still. And He that is holy, let Him be holy still. I still believe that The Bible teaches holiness, and as a child of God, we ought to be striving to be holy as our God is holy. But we'll never make it on this side of eternity. Doesn't mean we shouldn't try. But we get here. I'm going to be holy as God is holy. It's time that we, we were reminded of what we got in salvation. Well, I'm going to be perfect. Perfection. So are you. Well, Pastor, you just think very highly of yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think highly of myself at all. But I know what I got in salvation. I know what the Bible teaches about eternity. And our future will be fixed. Our eternity will be secure. Those who are in hell will be in their sin condition for all of eternity. All of those that are in heaven will be fixed for all of eternity. I'll make this final point about this, and then I'll move to the, 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 the last point. How many of us have something in our past that we'd like to forget about? How many of us have, maybe it's before we were saved. And even then, there's probably things after we're saved. That you know, when just when things are going well, the devil sits on your shoulder and he reminds you. Are you sure God loves you? I mean, after all, you did this and this and this. Oh, our... Or the pastor's preaching and pushing and saying, hey, we've got to serve the Lord. We've got to do more. And the Spirit of God begins to work in your heart and says, there's more that I want you to do for me. And you're about at the point to say, I'm going to go tell pastor. I'm going to teach that Sunday school class. Or I want to tell him I'm going to serve in this capacity. I want to answer this call. And the devil reminds you of what you've done. Guilt is one of the greatest tools Satan uses. Let me just remind you before I make the point I want to make with this. I may have some regret of a mistake I've made, but as far as guilt goes, I'm forgiven. And so are you. And that old song we sing from time to time, what sins are you talking about? God doesn't remember them. I think you and I ought to work a little bit harder to not remember them either. But when we get here, you're never going to remember them. And can I just make an even bolder statement? You're not even going to have an awareness of what sin even is. 
I don't think it's going to be us sitting there, oh, hitting God good at what he did. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to have how we are. We're going to be holy. We're going to be just. We're going to be awareness of who God is and who the Son of God is. But I don't believe any of us are going to be thinking about the sins that we committed in our past. We're out from under that curse. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Number four, how's it all going to end? The faithful will be rewarded. Notice what your Bible says, beginning in verse number 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Let's get into verse number 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. The faithful are going to be rewarded. There will be nobody worthy in heaven. None of us here are worthy of the shed blood of Christ. None of us here are worthy of God's love, but we're all recipients of it. We are not going to be there because we are worthy. We're going to be there only on the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. Because the fact of the matter is, there's never been a man born of woman who's capable of getting to heaven on his own. There's never been a quote-unquote church or religious group organized by a man that could come up with any kind of theology that could bypass the Word of God and get any man to heaven. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I get there. I could not earn my way there. I cannot earn my way there. And if you're here this morning and you think you're going because you've earned your way there, uh, the Scripture destroys that theology. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's only through Christ. But while I cannot work my way there, you cannot work my way, your way there. You are not worthy enough. I'm not worthy enough. We know by the grace of God and our trust in Him that we can have salvation, and the day is going to come. Think about this. We're going to be living what we're reading today. It's going to take place. And when Jesus comes, the Bible says that he's bringing his reward with him. As a reminder to you and I that the faithful will be rewarded. While we could not work our way there because of doing good, even being faithful, that we can be rewarded because through salvation we're going there, but serving Him, there are rewards to be had. Now, I think heaven is going to be so much more wonderful than you and I could even comprehend. And I have a very vivid imagination, and I can imagine quite a bit when it comes to this place called heaven. I have a very descriptive mind, and when I read this, the Scripture, I can picture, as I'm certain you have too at some point, what heaven might look like. It's not going to be nothing like we can think. It's going to be even beyond that. But the Bible tells us in more than just this place, but we're reminded yet, when it's all said and done, there are going to be rewards for those that are faithful. There's going to be rewards for those that had talent only because they were faithful to use their talent, not because they had a talent. There are going to be those who had greater opportunity or less opportunity, and they're not going to be rewarded based on the opportunity they, they had, except for the fact that they were faithful with the opportunity God gave them. To whom much is given, much is required. We are to be faithful, and we will be rewarded, judged. Well, how are we going to, be, how's going to decide who's going to get a reward? I mean, all of us like to have a reward. No, I don't mean nothing about that. Okay, if I was giving things out at this morning, and no matter how insignificant it was, and I, when I got to you, I said, mm, you, don't, you don't want that, so I just kept on going, you would, you would find a way to be offended about that. 
always, always, I use this illustration from time to time. I find it humorous around Christmas time. There's, well, I just, I'm not into gifts. It, it, it's, it's not about gifts, which is true. But I've often said, you know, one year I'm going to make a personal decision. Everybody here say that I ain't getting them nothing. And let's see how much you are in that Christmas spirit come Christmas morning when it's not about the gifts and everybody there is tearing everything open. You got nothing. Or maybe I'll come to the pulpit with a list. Merry Christmas to everyone except brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and sister so-and-so and sister so-and-so. A silly illustration that hopefully gets our mind to thinking that I don't want to be, when rewards are handed out, I don't want to be left out of that. Say, so what are we going to do with those rewards? Are we going to hang them on our wall? No, there's, there's some of you, if I, if I came to your house or someplace like that, you would have, a, you would have some things on your wall. You might have a, 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 a deer head on your wall. You might have a fish mount on the wall that you bought at that flea market. Um, <laughs> you may have a plaque on your wall recognizing you for something. You may have trophies on a trophy case of something that you earned. Some of you would be a diploma, a degree of some sort. You received it and you put it on display and it's it's important to you because it's an acknowledgement of something that you accomplished. But here's the difference about these rewards that we're going to get for faithfulness. Because he's the judge of faithfulness. He gets those awards and will not go into that heavenly mansion and will not put any of these rewards on our mantle. They're not going to be hung on a wall. While we sing praises to him, it'll be the tangible thing that we have in our hands to show with the life that he entrusted us with that we were faithful, that we can give back to him. And at the risk of stepping on some toes this morning, it's time Christians, and even some in this room and some watching live stream, understand something. That thing that is keeping you from running your race, you're not getting a reward for that. Well, I just don't think this is a big deal. Is there a reward for that? If I'm going to err on one side, I want to be where there's a reward to be given. And we need to be reminded in this day we live in, we need to have eternity in view. And the things that we give our time, we give our energy, we give our focus, it has no eternal value. But me giving attention and heeding the words of God and having the desire to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I may hear it. To hear that over there, I'm not going to have the applaud of men down here. I'm not going to have the achievements down here when it's focused on there because there's going to come a day how it's all going to end. The redeemed are going to be with Him, with our glorified bodies. We're not going to be under the curse of sin anymore. I'm going to be holy for eternity through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to have this sin nature. I'm not going to have the problems with my thoughts. I'm not going to have all of those things. I, that's who where the redeemed are going to be. We don't have to worry about the fire of hell. We don't have to worry about that that eternal damnation. We are with him. But when Jesus gives rewards, I'd like to get one. Because what's going to happen is we're going to have an opportunity to be rewarded for faithfulness so that we can give it right back to him and lay it at his feet. Pastor, how are those rewards going to be determined? Well, what will take place before this time, there'll be a Facebook poll and, and those that, or there'll be this version of Christianity and this version of Christianity and this version of Christianity. Whatever gets the most likes on social media, that's what God's going to decide that Christians will be judged by. No, we're going to be judged by the Word of God. How faithful were you to this book How faithful am I to this book? Friends, this ought to be a good reminder for us not to get distracted, but to keep our eyes on the Word of God, because it is the only standard that we must live by.
when for the redeemed to enter into this wonderful place called heaven, each individual is going to have to meet the standard that the Word of God has set. You do realize there's going to be sincere people who go to hell forever. There's going to be religious people who are more devout than you and I who are going to burn forever. Well, Pastor, that that is not fair. Well, you better look at the right standard. It would be unfair if Jesus only died for some, but Jesus didn't die for some, he died for all. We need to apply the right standard to to have eternal life. And as a child of God, I need to live by this standard if I'm going to be considered faithful. The reward is for faithfulness. And we will be judged by the Word of God. My call to Christians this morning is to make our priority of living by the Word. Living by the Word. Well, Pastor, look at what's going on in our nation. What do we do? Live by the Word of God. Well, my faith live by the Word of God. And my call this morning is not just to live by the Word of God, but it's also to know the Word of God because you can't live by that which you don't know. It, 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 illust- it, I don't want to get off track, but it illustrates it perfectly. You know why so many in our nation are willing to give up freedom today? Because they've never read the documents that tells them what freedoms they have. So they don't even know what they don't even know the freedoms that are being taken away from them. You know why so many Christians are found unfaithful? Because they have no idea what the standard is of faithfulness. You got to read it to know what it says. In order to live it, we got to know it. And I conclude with this, and I'm out of time. I'll just mention this by conclusion. There's a call in verse 17, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. I want us to be reminded of the call to the lost. I I believe the trumpet could sound today. I'm not just saying that because I want somebody to say amen. I believe, according to how I understand this book, the trumpet could sound today. No matter what goes on within our nation and and all the different things that are taking place, Elections and this and that, no matter what takes place, I believe it is all in in accordance with the Word of God being unfolding right in front of our eyes. I believe the trumpet can sound today. If we believe that, we got to be reminded there's still a call to the lost. There's still a call to the lost. You know, we, we've used this illustration before. If we knew the exact moment, the exact hour, and it was Jesus is coming back at this time, we would stop everything we were doing. We would, we would, we would liquidate all of our resources and say, I've just got to get the gospel to my loved ones, to my friends, to this world, because once that trumpet sounds, they will be lost. We say on one hand, we believe he's coming back, but we act like he's never going to come back. So there's a call to the lost that you and I must be reminded of. We got to want as many people who can join us in that wonderful place called heaven to be able to join us. And then there's a call to the Christian as well. Verse 20, he which testifies these things says, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I wonder how many Christians are praying that prayer. You know me as your pastor. Well, no, there's a lot I want to get accomplished, and I want a lot I want to accomplish with my life and us as a church. I know, Pastor, you remind me, oh, I haven't given you everything. I want us to make our lives count for him. Pastor, what are you, what are you planning for 2021? If, if certain things take place and, and, and this, this is stolen, this and that, it's not going to be friendly. Well, our, our mission hasn't changed. 
Let me tell you how I'm planning for 2021, and then I'll, I'll close with this. I'm planning on us as a church to do everything that we've set out to do in 2021. But I'm also planning on not being here in 2021. I'm planning on, if he, Terry's just coming, we're going to do what the church has been commissioned to do. But I'm also praying, even so, come, Lord, quickly. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about who my president is, but I know who my king is. I know who my savior is. Pastor, how's it all going to end? It's going to end with his redeemed gathered around the throne for all of eternity, giving praise to him. Christian, don't be discouraged. Whatever we face down here is but for a moment. There's an eternity. Oh, how many times do we sacrifice an eternal reward for but a moment of weakness, a moment of pleasure, a moment of sacrifice? There's a call. This morning, if you're here and you're not saved, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, let me remind you one more time. You have an eternal soul, and every individual is going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. You cannot work your way there. You cannot earn your way there. Only through the blood of Christ can you be there. And Christian, don't put your focus. And I've, I've mentioned this in the past. Let's not give so much attention to even conservative pundits and publications that we let that overshadow the Word of God because some of them are just as lost as a liberal. And all they can see is red and blue, right and left, and what you and I need to see is what the Word of God says. How's it all going to end? We win. We win. The child of God cannot lose. This morning, let's have hope in our God. Let's think of some lost person that we know. Let's get the gospel to them. Let's be ready for that trumpet to sound. Let's do business with him this morning. Father, I pray.